Welcome to episode eight of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am your co-host, Kevin DeShazo, along with Mark Hodgkin. Mark, how are you doing? Uh, doing great. Enjoying the, uh, the early part of the winter in uh, college basketball, which I know is your, uh, your big passion, is kind of winding down here. It's hard to believe we're more than halfway through the season, and March Madness is just a few minutes away. March Madness is right around the corner. I am thrilled. My favorite time of the year. We've got um, it's a big, big time of the year for sports. We've got March Madness coming up. Uh, I know it's it's April. Doesn't it seems far away? It's not. The Masters is not that far around the corner. We've got Tiger back. All sorts of things happening in the sports world. So I love it. Today we're going to build off of kind of the last podcast where we talked about the influence model and and where a lot of us stop. Again, once we built competency, credibility, uh, character, and chemistry. We stop at this thing that we call the wall of self-preservation. And, and the wall of self-preservation is something that, that is destroying a lot of leaders, to be honest, to put it, to put it bluntly, preventing leaders from, from becoming the best version of themselves, from becoming leaders worth following, um, from fully investing in their team. It's, it prevents their team from fully trusting them. Uh, and it's a really powerful tool. It's a simple tool. Uh, but it's one that we're going to talk about today. Again, the wall of self-preservation. And really what it is, is it's simply uh, asking three questions. And, and, and what self-preservation is, it's, it's us trying to protect ourselves, protect what we have. Um, maybe it's our job. Maybe we find a lot of our, our identity in our job, so we're afraid of, of losing that job. Maybe we've, we've done some things in the past that um, aren't great. Maybe we've, we're, we've done things recently, and we're trying to hide those things. So if they come out, everything, game over. We're going to lose our influence. People are not going to trust us. We're going to lose everything. Uh, and then a lot of us are, feels like we're constantly trying to prove something. I deserve this position. I've got to work hard to get to that position. I feel like, we feel like the world's always against us, and so we're always having to prove ourselves. And those are the three questions of self-preservation. In order to break through that wall, most of us stop. because Those, those things prevent us from influence because we stop um, at this wall of self-preservation. We're not going to speak up because we're afraid of, of losing our reputation. Right? We're not going to speak up because um, that could uncover some really hard truths. We're not going to speak up because what if that costs us our job. What if that, what if that brings to light some really terrible things? Um, what am I trying to prove? Well, I've, I've got to prove myself that I'm good enough, that I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm wise enough. Uh, so I'm not, but I'm not going to speak up, uh, or I'm going to over speak because, because I've, I've got to try to prove myself. We end up undermining our influence by overprotecting. You know, it's, it's really fascinating with, with self-preservation is that thing that we are so desperate to protect. If we overprotect that, we end up losing it and losing it faster. And so I think for leaders, you have to answer those three questions. What are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to hide? What are you trying to prove? And to whom? And then saying, based, based on the answers to those, like how is that actually impacting my leadership? How is that impacting the way that I interact with my team, the way that I fight for my team? So we've realized with self-preservation, uh, if we're, if, and we all have insecurities, we all have you know, some issues. Uh, but if those are what drive us, although our focus turns inward, and we're constantly trying to protect ourselves instead of find, fighting for the highest possible good in, in the lives of those that we lead. So, so Mark, what it, how has this idea of self-preservation um, kind of maybe played out in your life? What were some ahas as, as we've discussed this tool in the past? Yeah, and, and I think it's important to realize that this is um, you know a natural instinct that's really in a lot of ways hardwired into our our brains. You know, and it it probably goes back to the caveman days where we were. Um, a lot of the th- same things that trigger anxiety or, um, you know, nervousness now are that flight or f- fight re- uh, reflex that we have. And I think, you know, it's natural to understand that we want to preserve what we have and we want to, you know, keep our job. Obviously we want to keep our, 
health insurance benefits. We want to keep everything that goes with that. But, you know, I think that, that when you break it down, that, uh, this really is something that's worth getting into. And hopefully everybody here has listened to the, the previous podcast, episode seven, where we really got into what goes into creating, you know, a real sustainable, um, and lasting influence model. But what I see here is, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of organizations, you know, are, are really sabotaged by this kind of obsession with self-preservation that goes on the personal level. Like you said, if you're always obsessing about keeping something, eventually you'll lose it the same way that a lot of times things will come to you when you stop thinking about them and stop obsessing about them. This definitely works the same way. So, you know, I think, I think you realize you, like you said, you ask those questions, you figure out um, what you're trying to prove and why you're trying to do it. And um, it really will make a big difference. Yeah, I think what we've realized with leaders and what I've realized with myself is when when I'm operating out of self-preservation, like we're going to make terrible decisions, right? Because all those decisions are all about benefiting us. And, and it also makes us really inconsistent leaders. We're constantly changing course because that keeps us in control. So we can always stay one step ahead of people. And so our, we, we undermine our credibility. We undermine uh, our trust. We undermine our influence. And it's, I love the word you use. It, it's, it sabotages leaders. It sabotages departments. Because when you have an insecure leader um, who's operating out of self-preservation, that just raises the level of insecurity for the team because that leader becomes unpredictable. We never know what they're doing. We certainly don't feel like they're for us. We feel like they're for themselves. And I think to coaching, and you could use this for athletic directors, athletic directors you could use this for CEOs. When you see a person in, in power or authority who's been removed from position, uh, not voluntarily, uh, because something has gone wrong and not just they didn't win enough games. Maybe there's scandal. Maybe there's just some inappropriate activities that have happened. And it's fascinating if, if those coaches will sit down and reflect, if you can have an honest conversation with that coach away from the media, they'll say, I was so focused on not losing my job. I was so focused on proving myself. I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't lose. I was in my dream job or I was winning or whatever. I had, I had to keep going. So they cut corners, right? Because they, when you're operating out of those insecurities and that, and that self-preservation, you make you allow things to happen that you wouldn't normally allow to happen. You stop speaking up, and it will just take out an entire team. We've seen it again in athletics. We've seen it in the corporate world. Seen it in the church world. Whatever industry, this is not unique to athletics. Um, this is this is potentially the biggest issue in, in leadership. Let's just say in in our country is that most leaders, because this is kind of the American way, right? Do what's best for you. Build your dream. Go for it. Whatever it takes. Uh, when actual leadership is saying, how do I how do I create the best for those around me? How do I stop looking inward? How do I actually look outward? And there's so much freedom when you get to that place. It's difficult. Like, so, you know, as, as with other things we've talked about, I don't want to pretend that this is easy um, or that I've mastered this. I wake up every day with fears, with insecurities, with thinking, how can I, how can I best benefit me and my family? Uh, but you have to be intentional in thinking, okay, those fears can't drive me and show up every day with nothing to prove, nothing to lose and nothing to hide. Then you can live uh, with freedom, actually make decisions that are for your team and be a leader people want to follow versus a leader people have to follow. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, you think about people who whose legacy has survived, you know, past their own job title, people who have a packed, uh, packed house at their funeral, have um, people talking about them and, and, and remembering them years later, whether it's a Gandhi, Martin Luther King, whatever, and a lot of our decisions we'll make are on a much smaller level. But, you know, those are people who thought, outwardly is beyond just self-preservation. Nobody ever delivered a, a moving uh, eulogy at a funeral about this person really looked out for themselves. It's just never happened, you know? So you have to get past that and, you know, empower your team around you. And that's how you really will 
build influence. So we've kind of established that this is, is important. It's, it's useful. Kevin, how would you go into a department and, and talk a little bit about how they can decrease the level of self-preservation in their department? How can they create an atmosphere where people do feel free to, you know, maybe look out for the best interests of the company, of the organization, as opposed to themselves? How do you, how do you create that right culture? Yeah, I think it starts with the leader, right? Leaders set the tone, leaders define culture. And so you've, you've got to go to the head of the snake, so to speak. And if, if you can sit down with that leader and, and if, if they're able to have an honest conversation and have them answer these questions, you know, what, 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 is, what is causing my self-preservation? If you can help them get to the root of it, then we can actually build. Um, and it, and it's, it's, not a, it's not just a, it's not an informational thing, right? Hey, self-preservation is bad. Self-preservation will destroy you. It's, there has to be some kind of applied learning. Okay. Here's, here's my issue. Uh, and you know, I was, I was in a, in a group, um, with some leaders a, a few weeks ago, uh, talking about this issue. And one of the gentlemen, probably in his fifties, he spoke up said, spoke up and said, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to prove myself to my dad. And that, that every day, like those are the, that drives the decisions that I make. Will this make my dad proud of me? Uh, and he said, I didn't, I didn't even realize like subconsciously that's, that's how I live and lead. It always goes back to, will my dad be proud of me? And so I think we have to not just name those self-preservations, but go back to the root of them. What's actually causing them? Um, because once we name them, then we can start to attack them. Then we can start uh, to choose a different action, right? It goes back to the, the, the tool we've, we've talked about before of know yourself to lead yourself. If you know your tendency is to act out of this self-preservation, if you know your tendency is to try to prove yourself to your dad, um, to try to prove yourself to your boss, to try to prove yourself to a fan base, to try to prove whatever. Or if you're afraid of losing that job, you're afraid of losing your house, you're afraid of losing your money. If you can get back, like, what's the actual root of that? Not just the fear, but what's the root of it? Then we can say, okay, well, let's, let's call that lie for what it is. Um, let's realize the odds of that actually happening are very, very little. Like we, we, we over um, dramatize, maybe the best word, like the worst case scenario, well, if this happens, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my family. Nobody's going to trust me. I'll lose all my money. It's like, okay, people have failed. People fail every day. People lose their jobs every day. And, and yes, there are situations where all sorts of terrible things happen. Um, most people recover, right? You're successful. You're educated. Um, you have a chance to, there will always be a chance for you. It may not be in your industry, but there'll always be a chance for you to kind of re, um, rediscover yourself. It will always be a chance for you to remake yourself and to be successful. Um, so we have to get past this doomsday scenario in our mind and realize, okay, this fear is actually a lie. Um, this thing that's driving me is a lie. I don't have to prove myself to anyone. Um, I really don't have anything to be afraid of. So if we can work on that with a leader, then they can start making decisions saying, like this thing that you're trying to protect, you actually keep your job if you empower your team. If you stop trying to be controlling, if you stop letting this, this self-preservation be what drives you, then your team will actually show up for you and they're going to do amazing work. And your influence grows, your reputation grows, your success grows, and so does that of the people that you lead because they start to be really successful. You start to pass it on. So the, the health of a leader is multiplied throughout their team. So if you have an insecure leader, they're going to multiply insecurities throughout their team. If you have a healthy leader, then they can multiply that in, into their team. They can't give what they don't possess as a leader. Um, so if, if it starts with them, if they're not healthy, they can't pass that health on to a team. So if, if we can get them to a place and it's not a one hour thing, you know, it, it could take some time to work through some of these issues. Uh, but if you can, can spend some time with a leader and, and with the team as well saying, here's our insecurities, here's how we're going to face them. 
Um, here's my tendency every day. Um, and let's use as an example, I don't want to get political, um, but I'm going to use Donald Trump. Policies aside, Donald Trump is, if you just watch him, he's very insecure, right? He is desperate to prove himself, to prove his worth, to prove that he's loved, that he's wanted. The first press conference that his press secretary had was about the, the size of the inauguration crowd versus the size of Obama's first inauguration versus the size of a women's march. And again, all politics aside, that's what he focused on for two to three days was the size of crowds. Well, he, that he, he's so desperate to show, to prove his worth, to prove he belongs, to prove his value, that he's leading out of that insecurity and he undermines his influence at every turn. And so, but he has this tendency when that happens to then get on Twitter and lash out at people, which undermines his influence even more. If he can just say, you know what, I don't have anything to prove. I'm just going to show up and go to work and do what I feel like is best for the country. And I'm going to choose instead of my tendency to lash out on Twitter when I feel attacked, I'm going to put down my phone and I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, instead of leading out of that tendency, I'm going to choose a new action. All sorts of things start, start to change. Uh, but when we lead out of insecurities, we, we lead just in a way that consistently undermines our influence. We're very reactive rather than responsive. Uh, and it's just, it's, as you said, it sabotages not only the leader, but the entire team. Actually, that's a great example. And again, at the risk of becoming, um, you know, we don't want this to be a political thing. Um, but it, you know, we talk about the difference between a transaction and, you know, something more meaningful. I mean, the election could be the transaction, but is the relationship going to be there? And obviously we're only a couple of weeks into this administration, but, you know, there seems to be questions of whether it's going to be a, uh, a real long-term relationship and a real meaningful one for, uh, you know, building a consensus, building people around a, a bigger vision, or is this just a transaction? The election was won. And that's where we're at. So again, without being political and policy um, considerations aside, I think that's a great example. Uh, yeah, I love what you just said there in terms of this transaction piece, this influence and, and the greater vision. What also happens when we lead out of our insecurities is we fail to connect with our team because we're so focused on protecting what we have. We don't connect with those that we're leading. So they feel like we're not fighting for them. They feel like we may even be against them. And, and a team that isn't connected is a team that's not committed. And so we're, we're destroying the health of our team, the potential of our team, just out of our own insecurities. We, and we've, we, can, we can convince ourselves that everyone's against us, our team is against us, uh, when in reality, we've, we're the one that has uh, broken those relationships due to our insecurities and our inability, uh, and, and those causing our inability to, to connect with our team. So that's, that's a, a, I love that point is, you know, leaders are pushing for this, leaders with following are pushing for a hopeful, positive vision. Uh, a vision of what could be, and we can't get there through transaction alone, right? It's not just hitting goals. It's building relationships among that, building actual influence, which, you know, again, in that influence model, it's our self-preservation that prevents us from building influence. We can have all those four Cs, right? Competency, credibility, uh, chemistry, and, and character. But if if we get to that wall of self-preservation and we shut down or we we serve our own interests, then that influence never actually comes, um, so we have to be able to be willing to break through that wall of self-preservation in order to create true connection with our team. Yeah, exactly. And and self-preservation and self-absorption are hand in hand, right? I mean, if you think of somebody who is really spending all their time on on self-preservation, um, that's probably somebody you think who's absorbed in themselves. And so that's not an appealing quality for anybody. I don't know anybody who's ever wanted to, to follow somebody um, like that. Um, and I don't think anybody really wants to be remembered that way either. So you have to give yourself permission to, to be brutally honest, like we talked about in every episode so far and probably every episode 
after this, um, knowing yourself to lead yourself and really being, giving yourself permission to, to understand where some of those underlying uh, motivations and underlying insecurities are can kind of help you figure out, you know, where you need to, where you need to put your effort moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's a, another good point in, you know, this is not, as we've said before on many things we talk about, this is not an easy thing, but it is, it does make sense to people, right? People listen like, Oh, of course, self-preservation is bad. Of course that will undermine my influence, undermine my leadership. So people, you know, it, it makes sense. But again, it's not just this information piece. There actually has to be the, the applied learning and start to to make actual change. Um, what I found in, in a lot of leadership development is people who people like the idea of leadership development, people hate the implementation of leadership development because it's hard. It's to, you have to answer some tough questions about yourself, but that's the only way that we get better. People who are against uh, leadership development are generally are there's there's those who are afraid of doing it. Um, cause it's hard, but there are also those who are against it, who just never actually put in the work. If you actually answer these questions, you'll start to, to understand yourself better. Um, you'll start to be able to unlock influence of people. You'll start to, to lead out of, out of confidence. Um, what we would say is humble, secure, confident, as opposed to leading out of ego, as opposed to leading out of self-preservation. Uh, but you have to actually do the work. And so it's not like listening to a podcast doesn't make you a better leader. You have to start to apply these things. And so that's the challenge for those who are listening is to answer those three questions. What are you trying to prove to whom? What are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to hide? And if you, and then why um, get, get those down, get to the root of those issues. Then you can start leading uh, out of freedom without all those, those pressures that you're putting on yourself. Yeah. And I, I would challenge anybody listening to take out a piece of paper and just, just jot those down. And it's not something you have to share with us or with anybody else, but um, at least having that down there will certainly help. And like you said, we live in a, in a culture that's more interested in a pill to help us do stuff uh, and microwave uh, to, to get things done. But, you know, this is a, a, a long process, like most things worthwhile in life. You know, this is a, um, you got to chip away at it each day. You've got to, you've got to roll back some of the things that maybe mistakes you've made and, just, just chipping away at those things day by day is what I think I would, and I think we would challenge you to do um, after listening to this. And um, we'd love to hear how you're doing, you know, on, on Twitter or whatever. Please send us the feedback for the, the podcast and, and let us know what you're thinking, what your challenges are. As always, you know, any questions you have or anything you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to uh, uh, to hear from you. Yeah, and that's that's really good. And that it's as you battle these issues, as you as you process these issues, as you uncover them, you may need to apologize to your team. Guys, I, I realized I've been trying to prove myself with this, or I realized I was so afraid of losing this that it was causing me to do this. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I wasn't trying to be, uh, I am for you guys. I didn't realize I was leading in a way that was for myself. Um, but imagine how much your influence increases in that moment because your team already knows these things, right? They're experiencing all of your insecurities, but for you to have, um, to take ownership and say, you know what? I did this. That's on me. I, I will get better. Uh, that that's not a weak thing to do. Uh, that's called getting better at, at being a leader, getting better at being a leader worth following. And your team will respond to that. Now the key is to then actually get better, right? Not just, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, and then keep repeating the same behaviors over and over again. We have to apologize and then start to, to make actual changes. Uh, but you do increase your influence when you take ownership of, of your failures, um, show some humility. Uh, your team will respond to that uh, positively. I promise you.
Great. So that's our challenge uh, to you, our listeners. Um, think about this, uh, answer these tough questions for yourself and uh, work every day to be just a little bit better because that's all we can do at the end of, uh, end of the day. So um, again, thank you for listening to episode eight of the Sports Leadership Podcast. If you're finding this useful, if you're enjoying these podcasts, we would really love um, any positive feedback or any uh, constructive criticism. Uh, please feel free to leave us um, ratings and reviews on the App Store, wherever you're listening to, whether that's Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. We, uh, we appreciate that. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Twitter is always a great way. Um, I'm at, at Mark underscore Hodgkin and at Kevin DeShazo. So please let us know how you're doing with your process. Let us know how you're enjoying the podcast. Let us know if you have questions, um, topics for shows in the future. And uh, again, thanks as always for listening. Until next time, I'm Mark Hodgkin for Kevin DeShazo. This is the Sports Leadership Podcast.